This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Full Ride on the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am here despite destroying my shoulder at the gym yesterday because I'm a warrior for the people, and more importantly, for Matt Green down there in Tequila, Georgia. Matt, good afternoon. How are you? Excellent, sir. I uh, respect your dedication. Uh, you know, you just got to power through. You're a soldier. A lot of people say that uh, podcasting is the sneaky injury prone uh career choice that uh we aren't paying enough attention to but um i am here to to bring awareness <laughs> to the dangers and the perils of taking podcasting too seriously and now i have one working shoulder to show for it yeah that's tough i uh not enough people talk about the uh the day in day out grind that is podcasting and maybe uh maybe you can can reach some more people with your message I think so. I think that uh, is more <laughs> more than possible. Um, anyway, you can listen to the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, leave us a rating and a review if you are an Apple Podcast listener. That would be great. Um, Matt, how did uh, how did your weekend unfold? How did you divide up your college football watching? Yeah, it was a pretty low-key weekend. Um, so, uh, obviously, Georgia had a bye week, so I was really just taking it all in. Um, glad to uh, – it was kind of cool because I didn't have to worry about my team, so I was able to flip around and see a lot of games. And um, I feel like the Big Ten brought us some entertainment this week, so I was I was glad about that. And, um, yeah, just, uh, just another Saturday. You know, how about yourself? Same. Uh, very much glad that uh, the Big Ten is back. The Big Ten is just the best football product in college football. And um, whoa, whoa, what? It is. It's just the best. <laughs> the best product uh, by what? Bottom. By what measurement? Because no one's like bad, bad. The Big Ten, like there, no one's bad. Like the Minis- uh, Michigan State threw like seven picks in the Rutgers Michigan State game, which I watched almost all of. Like it was, it was. Very compelling television. We have Joe Milton on primetime coming out. We have Justin Fields showing he's 1A, 1B with Trevor Lawrence. We have uh, Iowa and Purdue going back and forth, throwing haymakers up there in Indiana. Like th- It was uh, it was a delightful week. And then, obviously, the game of the week, the Indiana-Penn State ending. Like It's just, as a whole, give me Big Ten football over anything else. That's, uh, that's blasphemy from... It's not. The- those down here in the south i uh i don't, I just don't even know wrong. what to say to you no right one now enjoyed the alabama tennessee game no one enjoyed Minnes- or, uh, missouri kentucky well, nobody enjoyed lsu south carolina nobody enjoyed well this wasn't a great week for the sec alabama tennessee weeks, though. alabama tennessee is is one of the worst 330 cbs games you're gonna find all year i feel like SEC is you're making excuses, is, Matt. It's very entertaining week in and week out. I um I was thoroughly entertained by the Big Ten this week, but I um I'm gonna respectfully disagree that it the Big Ten is the best product in college football. Mm. Well, we all can't be right on this podcast. Um Matt, <laughs> do you have uh the picks and our results from this week in front of you? Yes, sir. So uh this was a this was a good week for uh, Chase Thomas bouncing yeah, back. The Big Ten's back and Chase is back. You love to see it, folks. Yeah, we uh, we love to see that. But um, so 
you uh you won both this week. So mm. against the spread, you you won seven to four. I was five and six against the spread. Oof. And then overall, you were eight and three this week, Oof. and I was six and five. So it's a strong performance by you. It was a uh, much are, needed bounce back win for me. I I've been reeling for two sure. weeks. I needed this. Uh, so now overall, or uh, against the spread, I should say, on the season, we are tied, both 37, 34, and 1. Mm. But uh, overall, I'm still holding a little bit of a lead, 46 and 26 to your 39 and 33 overall. But um, it's, uh, it's a long season, you know, we still got some time. It was a good bounce back week for you. Both of us, or uh, I should say neither of us, got our lock of the week. So that was disappointing. I had Minnesota. Just getting uh getting shellacked by Michigan on Saturday night at home, which I guess I'm not really sure how many fans they even had in that stadium. It looked like they had maybe 200. Like I'm not <laughs> even sure. It was obviously not completely empty, but not a not a big showing up there at Minnesota. And then you Penn State was your lock of the week. Uh-huh. And Indiana, that may have been the game of the week. Indiana yeah. with a thrilling uh win, which I'm still skeptical of personally. I felt like he was out of bounds. If the we'll call on the field, if the call on the field is uh is short. I think they that stands too. So that was tough, tough loss for Penn State. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get into some news before we recap some of those games we just hinted at. Uh, bad news for Wisconsin. Uh, they blow out Levy Smith in Illinois. That should have been my lock of the week. I don't know. I was overthinking that one. Um, I think I did nail the pick and the the spread. But um, Mertz. Their new guy, the first exciting Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson, and he catches COVID nineteen, so he's gone for two weeks. Is he the first exciting Wisconsin quarterback since Russell Wilson? Yeah, for sure. Who are you putting in there? I get. I feel like we made one good game against. Uh, who who are they he even? He was playing? twenty of twenty one this week. Of course, we saw Grayson Lambert go okay, twenty five. Very different. If you watch the game, right. Grayson Lambert couldn't move. This guy can move. He can do stuff. Like he's interesting. Grayson Lambert was objectively trash. But like, of course, I'm just is, don't don't compare the two. One one went over Illinois. I'm not going to crown him uh, best quarterback since Russell like rising. It, the, Illinois is coming off a of bowl season. You don't just knock off Illinois when they're coming off a of bowl season. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we don't even know the last time Illinois was coming off a of bowl season. That was last year. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Lovey Smith brought him back, and then Mertz uh, stepped on their face. We'll pump the brakes. It boot. was a big-time performance for him, for sure. But, um, yeah, that's a real bummer if he's going to have to be out 21 days now by the Big Ten protocol. Oh, is that their protocol? It's 21 days? That's what they're saying. I think they have to, like, confirm the positive test. But, um, oh. I don't know, maybe get, get some of those Nick Saban doctors and uh, he can be cleared by uh, the end of the week. Good news for Nebraska. Because I think they have they have Wisconsin this week. Um, that is right. Jalen Waddle um, goes down right away in the Alabama Tennessee game. I was watching this live and it was like, oh, it's over. Like the first, it was kind of like, remember when Chubb got hurt at UT? Yeah, that's right? exactly what it felt like. Where yeah, like, oh, the yeah, first play it. of the He's game, gone. too. That's it. Yeah, you go yeah. ahead and write. Although that I off. didn't get a view. Did you see one that looked like a nasty injury? Like I never, like it just looked like his like, uh, ankle was kind of rolled up on, but you never really got that, like that cringe that Dak Prescott, Marcus, cringe, but like the fact that he couldn't put any weight and they immediately put him in. Oh yeah. You knew it was bad because of that, but yeah, that's a real bummer. Like honestly, the Heisman has become a quarterback award anyway, but if, if we'd get back to giving this award to the best player in college football, that was Jalen Waddle. In my opinion, I feel like he's just, a touchdown just a home run waiting to happen you know and it's it's uh it's unfortunate for college football that that he is gonna miss the rest of the year what do you think about Saban kind of like throwing the shade at the end of that little comment in the in the post game did you hear that yeah where he was like he this he shouldn't have come out with the ball anyway yeah, like we like, tell people bro, you gotta keep that to yourself like come on now dude's out for the season it's dynamic playmaker like this is what he does like I thought it was a bad look from from Saban. It doesn't surprise me. Like I just think people need to understand that college football coaches and Power Five programs, especially, are um, insane. And uh, this is part of the deal. Is like they're just unbelievable competitors where they can't help themselves. Like Gundy, him. Like it doesn't matter. You pull into these guys, you can easily get these kind of just like 
callous quotes from any of these coaches. I think they're all just like humongous narcissists who just can't like they just can't help themselves. It's just like a dog. Just they're just a dog that just gets into available candy and then just barfs all over themselves like that is how coaches are when it comes to can i say something callous about one of my players because i am an insane person yes the answer is always yes yeah it's just it's crazy to me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna paint with as broad of a brush as you are but uh (laughs) it's uh it's just a terrible look it's like you've been a coach for what 20 plus years like just use some use some common sense like obviously this guy's torn up about it the family's torn up about it the players are torn up about it losing one of their best teammates it's like oh you know wouldn't happen if you didn't bring the ball to the end zone like just just keep that to yourself bro Uh, it's a it's a sign of the times it it starts from the the leader of the free world and that was something that was something i I thought about i'm like that's something he would say uh (laughs) redacted would definitely say that about like someone in his his cabinet that he liked dying be like well shouldn't have caught cancer like that uh ultimately we told him not to drink so like well he didn't show up to my inauguration so you know that's, kind of, <laughs> that's, that's what happens <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying like i think that uh is an extension of that um jaquincy mckinstry is my favorite college football name that's on the way he signs or it, he commits to alabama five star out of um the state of alabama he picked it over your georgia bulldogs and a couple other schools uh is there a better name than Jaquincy McKinstry? That is a strong name. It honestly sounds like one of those Key and Peele names they would have used for that that sketch. But um, you're even leaving out his his nickname he goes by. Mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. <laughs> so they call him Kool-Aid. I guess they don't call him Jaquincy. But yeah, I think a lot of people thought he was going to go to Auburn because uh, he's a big-time basketball player too. And I think he's expected to play basketball at the next level. And so Bruce Pearl has a... Auburn looking good these days so I think he kind of surprised some people by choosing Alabama but we'll see if he uh I can't remember a player since Saban's been at Alabama that's played two sports obviously those kind of athletes are few and far between anyway but I'll be I'll be curious to see what he does there's not many uh people at Alabama that prioritize basketball over football so he might change his mind once Nick Saban gets in his ear we shall see Another uh, big-time commit to Florida. I got a guy, Jeremiah Williams, out of Alabama. Big-time defensive end, so he's a top 100 player. I think uh, Georgia and Auburn also were in it for him. The beginning of the end for Georgia and Auburn. You heard it here first. (laughs) Hot take. Mm. Um, Is there any other news that we missed that you would like to cover? Did you see this guy, Christian Zachary? I have not. He's from Carrollton uh, here in Georgia, and... He has this elaborate, like, five-minute commit video last week. And then it's, like, get, like, wizards and, like, his friends and, like, family are in it. Like, his family seemed, like, kind of, like, they seemed like the king and queen of this, like, world he was living in. And he was going off on some adventure. It was, like, this elaborate thing. And it was, like, I sat through five minutes of this thing. And he gives his top seven. And it's, like, the Reverend Seven is like that's where he's committing and like just a big seven like pops up on the screen i'm like i just sat through this shift like five minutes like i don't even know where this guy's going like what was this and now this uh and he had like lsu alabama georgia like all these big time programs and now this dude's committed today to liberty and he put out another video today it's like i guess i don't know if he's like a uh a junior like what do they call it? Like a reverend or something like that? A youth pastor. I think that's the term I was looking for. But he like has this he's like preaching kind of why he's making his decision and everything. And then he chooses liberty. After all of this, I'm like, we've sat through all of this. And you're choosing liberty? Like I I have a feeling you didn't have a committable offer to Alabama or Georgia or any of those other big time schools he was after. He's a three star. 400th ranked player in the country i don't know you never know how the good those guys are going to be but i just thought it was funny that he chooses liberty after after all of that that he made us sit through one might say you would prefer if he he fanned the flames he did he got hey he's he's branding i guess he got mm-hmm. his name out there people people saw the video i'm guilty i saw the video so i guess he got what he want and there you go um hugh freeze 
just easily rootable guy and an easily rootable program. So just really happy for that uh, <laughs> extremely well thought of and well run university up there in Virginia. Um, Freeze! We'll be making a comeback soon, man. There you go, Wisconsin. Getting into this week's games, as we mentioned, they open up their 2020 season beating Illinois 45 to seven. Graham Mertz goes 20 of 21, 248 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, that was strong, man. Yeah, we already touched on a, a little bit. He uh, he looked good. I think he's Wisconsin's best quarterback since Russell Wilson. <laughs> No, you could be. You could be right. I just don't want to jump the gun after a win over Illinois. You can always jump the gun after a win over Illinois. Um, <laughs> Clemson takes care of Syracuse. Like I, You know what I don't like? This new thing where we are pretending that we have to really make it seem like Clemson's in danger. And I think that's what Dabba was really upset about in the post game, where it's like, was there a lack of energy from you guys? Like they were up seventeen to nothing after the first quarter, and <laughs> the the question was kind of silly of just like, just was there an energy issue? And he was like, we scored forty seven points. Like that's where we were at with Clemson. It's just like we don't know what else to ask. They don't have any more tests to pass. Like they're gonna be a playoff team. They're the best team in the ACC, and it's not even close. Um, Dino Babers did what he could. They're one and five. They're on a backup quarterback. They just, they don't have to do much to win. So like, even if their energy levels are not up to par, it's just like, we know when they're going to get the, get up to par. And that's when they're in the playoff, they're just coasting. Like they can coast. They are one but of that's, three programs that's kinda, who can coast. And that's true. But that's kind of why I was annoyed by Dabo's press conference is because it's like, we're not comparing you to Syracuse, bro. We're not comparing you to the ACC. Like, we know you're head and shoulders above everyone else you're going to go up against. So we're comparing you to Clemson. And you guys didn't look perfect. Why didn't you guys look perfect? It's almost like that's essentially what he's asked. And it's like, Dabo, what you would think as a, as a coach of a team that is so unchallenged, like, he would have used this as an opportunity. Like, yeah, you know, we got a lot to improve on. And it's like, yeah, you, you you beat Syracuse by, what was it, four touchdowns. So, like, this game wasn't close. Like, Syracuse kept it close, obviously, for a little longer than anyone thought. But so that's why that's what we're talking about. It's that Syracuse kept it close for longer than anyone thought. Why is that? You know, and Dad was just going to sit here and act like they didn't keep it close. It's like, no, they did. Tell me what you guys can do to improve next week because – for, from our perspective, you're a perfect football team. So why did you guys not look perfect? You know what I mean? And it it's just it seemed like a strange time to get defensive with the media. It's like, oh, we just won by four touchdowns. What are you guys what are you guys talking about? You know, it's 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 that Clemson didn't look perfect and unfortunately that's all we really have to talk about in our post game press conference. And you would think a head coach of all people, like Nick Saban, even if they win a big game, he's he's pissed about a mental mistake. They make up four touchdowns in the final minute, two minutes of a game, because that's kind of how he demands perfection. He's not measuring Alabama against Tennessee or against Arkansas. He's measuring them against Alabama and the perfection that they're seeking. So I thought it was just kind of a douchey press conference. If I'm being honest, like why Dabo wants to get defensive when we all know how much better Clemson is than Syracuse, but for two and a half quarters, they didn't really look that way. So I felt like I feel like Dabo can needs to back up a little bit and just not take himself so seriously, honestly. It's tough. I can see both sides here because if I'm Dabo, if I was in his position, I would just be like, fuck off. Like we're the best football <laughs> program in the last fifteen years. We've surpassed Alabama. I don't think can we talk about that for a second? I would just remind the the media. You know we're a better program than Alabama now. Like I mean, I don't we think we actually you can... passed Saban. Like they have a better record. They're winning more playoff games now. They are a better program than Saban's Alabama now. They're it's true, but Saban, it's so much more of an accomplishment to just get to the playoff as an SEC team than an ACC team. So while there I are think it's legit, a huge accomplishment to actually take down Saban and to oh, it, without a doubt is, and that's why I think they're right there together. But I mean, Saban's won what five national championships, and he's been there longer though. Clemson's like, won two. Clemson's going to probably. For sure. If Dabo's there for another ten years, he probably passes Saban. 
And and that's when we can have the conversation. If Clemson wins three more championships in the next, you know, eight to ten years, and Alabama wins one, then you know maybe we can have that conversation. But right now, I feel like they're they're if if nothing else, they're on par with Alabama. But I I, I still can't say they've surpassed them. Well, my broader point is that like he, I would be annoyed about talking about Syracuse too, where he's like, dude, I like I did not break a sweat today. Like, I am not nervous about how he played against Syracuse. Like, we are going to be fine. Please, I, I would just decline media interviews until the playoff. Be like, hey, uh, have y'all seen our record against the ACC opponents the last three years? But, have I mean, it's 27. Is, the score is 27-21, like, what, like halfway through the third quarter? Like, late into the third quarter. I mean, so, like, you can't just... In the second half. They they won 20-7 to in the second half. Like Of it, course, but I'm saying it was 27-21 with, like, roughly 20 minutes left in the game. So... The media, it seems like the media is entitled to be like, hey, is there something Syracuse is doing to give you guys problems? Because literally no other team gives you guys issues. Just like, I like Dino and I wanted to throw him a bone. I feel like that's what people are saying. And I just, I don't even know if that's true. Like, it's definitely not. It's no one's going to do that. It's maybe he really dislikes Jeff Collins and wanted to rub it in on Georgia Tech. I think Tech, he 100% but, does. I think but he's that not just going to like keep did. Dino Babers and Syracuse close to to give him some good I mean, feeling. he's got to find something because he's solved college football. Like, he built the best college football program today. Like, he has solved college football. Like, I would be bored as hell if I was down Exactly, right and now. which is why, don't you think you would use this as an opportunity to coach your team to be like, yeah, guys, we got to get better. If we no, fuck he doesn't. Like he's like, that, we're probably Notre the Dame. favorite to win the national title this year. We don't but really no, have but, to get better. But that's not how you should, that's not how it could, that's how you sleepwalk into some of these games that you're clearly a superior team. Like, I mean, look at Urban Meyer when he was at Florida and Ohio State. Like, mm-hmm. their roster was superior to, like, essentially everyone they ever played against. And every single year, they seem to trip up and just lose a game they shouldn't lose because I feel like that was my one criticism. Do that. Of course, but that's my one criticism of Urban Meyer over his yeah. time was that the week-in and week-out motivation, you know? If if you're not taking teams seriously, the players aren't going to take them seriously. And Clemson has not had nearly as many, but they've had, like, the Pittsburgh game here in, uh, that they lost a few years ago, the Syracuse uh, game they lost a couple years ago. There's been a couple games, but it seems like this is an easy opportunity in a four touchdown win that you could kind of take a jab at your team and be like, yeah, like if we don't correct some things, we're going to get our, our butts beat or something. Or we're going to get our tails beat by a good team. It seems like something Davos Winnie would say. The pink suit didn't help things. You got to go ahead and trash that one. Uh, it's hard <laughs> not to come off like a pretentious. I couldn't take him seriously. Yeah, that, that not great. Um, speaking of not taking teams seriously, the Tennessee Volunteers uh, fall to two and three, going down forty-eight to seventeen at home to Alabama. Um, so, have you looked at Tennessee's remaining schedule? Um, I don't know off off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm familiar. Go for it. I went through it, and I just wanted to look at something because Tennessee's going to be on a bye. They're two and three now. There's only one more guaranteed win on the schedule, and it's Vanderbilt. They're yeah, that's staring true. down three and seven. They that is a very very real possibility. They have Texas A and M, who look a lot better now. They're probably going to beat Tennessee. They have Auburn, who just has devil magic at this point. Like they're should be favored in that game. They have uh, Florida, not going to win that game. You go through it, man, and I'm like, oh no, and they at Arkansas. The one that we I was about to say, was I couldn't help but notice that you just skimmed over Arkansas. No, they're on it. I'm looking at the and I'm like, oh no, like this is. I, I don't know if they get more than one win down the stretch here. I think you're. Uh, I think you're definitely onto something. I um, we're at disaster zone, and I don't know if people nationally know that Tennessee is on the verge of three and seven. Yeah, I um, I saw a stat over the weekend uh, that. Rocky Top is not going to be too happy about. Did you see this? The uh, 21 point losses in their first 30 yeah. games as head coach. So Butch Jones and Derek Dooley each had six 21 plus point losses in their first 30 games as head coach. And Jeremy Pruitt now has 12. And that's a, that's not a good look. And I, I was a believer in how uh, Jeremy Pruitt was, was building this program. But, uh, you, you need to see the tangible results on the field. And if, if they 
And that's and three and seven is a long way away because they can beat Auburn, they can beat Arkansas, they can beat Vanderbilt. I and you know we don't know with Texas A and M week in and week out. Like they're not necessarily just a proven commodity, but they would definitely not be favored to win that. So it's definitely possible that they can. Yeah, you know, will at, at the very worst, they will not be favored the rest of the way other than the the game against Vanderbilt. That will be the only favorite. Yeah, game they have that's left. probably true. So I um yeah it. They need to finish if a five and five finish. I feel like really that's best eases. case scenario. Yeah, it, it, it honestly is. I if they can finish five and five, it's 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 going to be at least one good win on the schedule uh, the rest of the way. But I I hate saying it with um with you the way you started the show saying the Big Ten is the best product uh, in college football because. I was going down, uh, looking at a lot of people's conference power rankings, and they have A and M at three, Florida at four, mm. and then Arkansas at five, and, yeah. and Auburn at six. It's like if Arkansas and Auburn are the fifth and sixth best teams in this conference, this isn't a very good conference this year. I think there's a lot Join of mediocre me. teams. Join. There's me. a lot of mediocre teams in the SEC this year, and and that's even with counting Texas A and M as one of our proven commodities and. We just know you just never know what to expect with Texas A&M. So I think Florida, I would have as the third best team. But even with how they played on defense, it's like we still don't know with Florida. So yeah, the SEC, it's it looks like Georgia and Alabama and Georgia at the at the top, and then just kind of a crapshoot after you get out of that. Well, it top. doesn't help that Georgia's having a down year too offensively like that. That hurts things too. It limits their upside and it limits how the SEC looks because. It's just they're going to be ugly to watch offensively for the remainder of the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my biggest takeaway is, like, Eric Gray is still awesome. He had a really big drive here. Um, there was a lot of Boo Birds. I don't know how much of this game you watched. Um, that Tennessee did. They played to lose, like, the field goal kick when they were down two touchdowns already um, in this game. And Pruitt elected to kick a field goal deep in Alabama territory. Uh, didn't love that. Um that's one thing I wonder about because it seems like despite everything that's happened in Knoxville over the last decade plus, it seems like the fans have still been like as die hard and as like ride or die as, as any of the fan bases get. But it seems like the last two weeks, the boo birds have been out pretty early in Alabama. It's like this, this wasn't going to be a good game regardless. Well, it's just like you should not be punting at any point against Alabama deep in their territory. Like they're driving. Mac Jones had like three plays and they were already back within the Tennessee red zone where they're just, they're finding guys on wheel routes. This new guy Bolton was just, he stepped right in for <laughs> uh, Jalen Waddle. Did Najee Harris out of the backfield. Like he was splitting wide, just doing whatever they want. And Mac Jones just had all day and he's just so big that he's able to scan the field in almost an unfair way. And, uh, yeah, like he's just he hits Mechie deep on this crazy bomb that Bryce Thompson's like one second too late from picking, and I it, it's just not fair. Like playing Alabama, it's just not fair. But I, it <laughs> turns out just firing the defensive line coach did not solve Tennessee's problems, and they did not get any pressure on Mac Jones in this game. Um, I it just Tennessee's problems run deep, and I just this offense like they're boring and bad now. At least with Ole Miss, who've won one game. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're enjoying every week because you have a fun offense. They don't have there a fun offense. There is something to be said for that. There's nothing fun about Tennessee football right now. Like, it is a chore to get through these games. It is so, a chore. So, as a Tennessee fan, I mean, what's what's the feeling? I mean, is there, is, is there a chance Pruitt gets fired at the end of this season? Pruitt, or? Well, I mean, he just got an extension, so Pruitt's not going anywhere. But okay. it could be a Herman situation where... Fulmer's like you're cleaning out everybody on both sides of the ball. Like everybody's gone. Like you're you're hiring a new OC and new DC. Like that's happening. Um, I think Joe Fulmer might be. Out. He might be the actual issue with Tennessee football. Just it's like you gotta let a coach do his own thing. Don't just be hanging over his shoulder. I don't know. Um, Pruitt never or uh, Fulmer never lost to Kentucky. So I just I think Pruitt is feeling the heat i don't think he's feeling the heat in terms of job security i think he's feeling the heat in terms of keeping his assistance because damn so that's the ultimate trump card huh like anyone questions anything filmer does it's just like i never lost to kentucky all right yeah i was things are going great he also won a title like that tennessee fans will always just like prop him yeah, up for sure he won i mean they haven't even won the east since he left so yes they have he's uh he's got a lot of clout 
was that wait was that him with Ainge? I didn't think that was him. Yeah, 07. That was definitely still Fulmer. I guess it was still Because Kiffin, yeah. Kiffin was at 2009. Yeah, so. Kiffin came with Crompton. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, that's right. Um, Wow. Anyway, enough Tennessee, because that's going to just continue to wreck my soul. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame beats Pittsburgh 45-3. to Pitts lost four straight, and they're just objectively bad. Um, big development I had coming out of this game. Um, Notre Dame fans look we love you you still are going to get absolutely devoured by clemson but they have a new grad student who i like bennett scrornerneck a lot of a lot of consonants in his last name um <laughs> two tds on 107 yards receiving um that is a big thing because ian book has to be able to go downfield if they really want to challenge the best the best they haven't been able to do that this season it's been the biggest knock on book, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe they have their new Jeff Samarja in uh, Bennett Skrnick. Yeah, I was a Samsonite. I was way off <laughs> on this pick. Uh, ten and a half point spread for Notre Dame. I, I took Pittsburgh to keep it close, and this game was a blowout pretty early. Um, Ian Book uh, doubled his season touchdown total in this game. He had three touchdowns in the first four games of the season. He looked a lot better in this. I'm still still completing barely over 50% of his passes yeah. in this one, but uh, he's still making plays with his legs. So uh, Notre Dame needed this one bad. I feel like everyone saw them getting up at number three in the rankings. They're like, this is a joke. We need to move these guys back down. So they, this is a nice statement win for him because I don't feel like Pittsburgh – is a bad team i feel like they're decent but they uh they got worked in this one i don't know this is a month straight of bad pit football this just might be who they are it might be who they are nebraska starts their 2020 campaign with a blowout loss 52 to 17 but they'll always have that great luke mccaffrey run to start their first drive of the game uh, Justin Fields goes 20 of 21 for 276 and two touchdowns. Um, this game was never close. Ohio State coasted. Um, I, hey, this game was a little close. It wasn't. Give, give Nebraska some credit now. What was this? 24-14 uh, going to the half? If you're watching a lot of this game, and I was flipping back between this and Michigan State and Rutgers, like... They were driving and doing what they wanted. There was some bad stuff early with their defense, but their defense got settled down. They were replacing a bunch of different pieces on defense, but the defense figured it out. They held Nebraska in the second half to three points. Yeah, for sure. They gave up uh, a little bit too much on the ground, like over 200 yards on the ground, almost six yards a carry. But um, my my take from this game is that Justin Fields is every bit as good as Trevor Lawrence, honestly. like I'm not convinced that that either of these is is better or worse than the other. Like I think Justin Fields is every bit the talent that Trevor Lawrence is. So whoever whoever gets this guy at like three or four in the draft is is gonna have a steal for sure. If he doesn't just go straight up number one. But yeah, Ohio State, they this is exactly what we thought they were. Oklahoma State survives against Iowa State and establishes themselves as the team to beat in the Big 12's lone playoff hopefuls um they moved to four no uh spencer sanders returns in this game but the story here is not oklahoma state's offense it's not tylen wallace it's not spencer sanders it's not chuba hubbard it's their defense for me their defense holds brock purdy to 162 yards the fourth lowest single game total of his college career the cyclones were only three of 13 on third down this oklahoma state defense is one of the better ones in the mike gundy tenure and uh look is it partly because mike gundy is tucking in his sweatshirt into his khakis look i don't know but that is something that he's doing and we can't roll out the impact that that kind of (laughs) has on a team in in a program but uh yeah oklahoma state they are the most complete team in the big 12 and uh i think it's time that we take them seriously as a playoff contender yeah, this was definitely their first big win. They are definitely carrying the the Big 12 torch for the college football playoff. I will say the defense definitely uh, played well against Purdy, but Brees Hall, he still kind of ran all over him. So he had almost 200 yards on the ground, nation's second leading rusher. But um, 
you can't you gotta you gotta have a grain of salt when you're talking about this Big 12 defenses, I guess. You know, if you play well in one facet of defense, then you're doing a lot in the Big 12. But uh, yeah, I thought Spencer Sanders, you know, he was he was fine throwing the ball, nothing special, but he made a lot of plays with his legs, and I feel like he he makes their offense pretty dangerous. Uh, this is the four the four game stretch for Oklahoma State that's gonna decide their season. So they got past, I think, arguably the toughest hurdle of this four game stretch, which is Iowa State, but the next four games, they have Texas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. So they're they're going to find out their fate in these next three weeks. And I don't know. I, they just still don't look like a, a legit playoff contender to me. Um, they could easily go through this schedule uh, unscathed, but I think I think they're going to get caught by one of these teams, if if not two of them, honestly. I think the Big 12 is just that up for grabs. It's hard, even though we saw Oklahoma lose two games, it's hard every time they take the field to think that their Big 12 opponent is going to beat them because you just you just feel like Oklahoma is better than everyone they play in the Big 12. And I would assume by the time that Oklahoma State, that Bedlam game uh, rolls around, that it's going to be a, a, a toss-up. And I feel like... I could easily see Texas or Oklahoma or even Kansas State uh, beating this team. Penn State falls at Indiana. Indiana finally getting their first ranked win versus like a top 10 AP AP top 10 team in like a billion years. Um, They pull it off against Penn State at home here. Um, Was he in? You you seem to believe that he he was short, that Penix was uh, not in. He was short, man. What were your thoughts? I think I would put him in just for the balls to go for two there. I think... (laughs) It's not a reason. It is a reason. Because I said (laughs) it's a reason. And I think think the Hoosiers deserved it for that alone. 100%. And also, the Penn State running back realizing his mistake and scoring that touchdown. Like, Penn State did this to themselves. And speaking of, like, sneaky, bad reputations that are creeping up in college football for for big time coaches james franklin another another loss when he's been in the top 10 he's he's racking up these these losses and the top when his team finds themselves back in the top 10 um little concerning over the last five years but uh yeah no i think uh it was great this is a fantastic game and uh i'm happy for tom allen and uh this iowa uh, indiana program yeah, and these are the games that that hurt your reputation when you're when you're trying to get into that elite uh, level, and we at that we know that James Franklin's trying to get in. He had that huge speech last year about how great they were. They just weren't elite yet. But it's like if you know if you're going eleven and one, I guess this year going seven and one, losing to Ohio State, there's really no shame in that. But it's when you it's when you get tripped up. It's when you lose to Ohio State and you trip up in one of these other games that you should win. Granted, Indiana is. Um, a program that's on the rise and so this isn't necessarily a bad loss but it's a loss that Penn State definitely wasn't expecting and back to the uh to the actual play in question if they call it whatever they call it on the field is what they were going to keep it because it was just so close but if you look at that again once they had that angle that actually showed it down the goal line the ball never crossed the plane short of like because they were saying maybe it crossed the plane not where the pylon was you know kind of inside the pylon but it it didn't i felt like that view was was uh what's the word i'm looking for that they always use in the conclusive thank you just went blank on it but yeah i thought the view was conclusive there and the ball it was out of bounds right there before it hit the pylon i um i did love to see them roll the dice and go for it, go for the win. But uh, I, I honestly think this should have been a win for Penn state at the end of the day, but they lose and uh, that uh, they are. Oh, and one to start the big 10 season for them. Really, really puts a downer in next week's uh, Does it college game day with Ohio state, Penn state. Oh yeah, for I sure. Think it actually makes it more interesting because Owen to Penn state is concerning. Like obviously everything with schedules they wouldn't be in this situation if it was a normal season but um i think it adds more pressure like i think this makes that game more interesting because penn state uh is pissed off they lost in annoying fashion they uh they're gonna come ready to play i think they're gonna be more amped up 
by. Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument because kind of with how big like Georgia Alabama was. Yeah, for sure. Because how big Georgia Alabama was like a couple weeks ago, the game really didn't mean anything. Mm. It's like whoever loses, okay, you're probably going to play again in the SEC championship. See what happens then. So it's like now them losing to Indiana, now they don't have that mulligan. And now, yeah, their back's really up against the wall next week. Cincinnati, your team blows out SMU 42-13. to 13. They improved to 4-0. SMU falls to 5-1. and one. They end their home win streak. That was like two seasons in the making. Um, Shane Bouchelle implodes in this game, goes 23-44 of 44 for 216 yards and one TD. Desmond Ritter, on the other hand, <laughs> has eight carries for 179 yards and three touchdowns. Big game for him. I've been kind of, uh, eh, on their offense all season and his style. Like, I think they're the best team in the Big 12 this year, <laughs> Cincinnati is, which is kind of funny. But um, they just, SMU, their defense could not contain Cincinnati. And uh, I don't know. The the Bearcats were up big the majority of this game. It was just too much. The SMU defense could not hang, and Shane Bouchelle had to be perfect to keep them in this game, and he was not. Bad clock management late in the first half in this game, too. Um, I don't know. Just an all-around disaster for the Mustangs. Bad just management in general because there was that one at the, the you're talking about at the end of the first half where they wasted like 30 yeah, seconds and was. ended up having to kick a field goal when they could have tied it at 14 going to half. And then they're down 18 with like five minutes left and a fourth and two on like the seven yard line and they kick a field goal it's like you're gonna need a two touchdowns <laughs> and a field goal anyway i i get the logic but it's like this is your opportunity to score the touchdown bro you're two it's a fourth and two you're seven yards from the end zone so i thought that was just very mismanaged granted they lost by was it 40 22 13 almost 30 points so those those uh those decisions probably didn't decide the game but this was definitely the outcome I was most disappointed in myself this week of, Chase, because I told you last week on the show, you're the offense guy, I'm the defensive guy, Cincinnati's been doing it old school style, man, like a Big Ten team, and I picked SMU, I went with the new style, I went with the new school, and Cincinnati, their defense the just looked... to me. Leave the offense. Defense is not dead in 2020, Chase. Well, All right, I, I want you to know because that. The reason Cincinnati won this game is because Desmond Renner ran for almost 200 yards on the ground. Of course, but that's their old offense woke up. That's right the reason there. they won. Their offense woke up. Their offense did wake up, but the defense also had five sacks, nine tackles for loss, a pick, allowed 13 points, 78 yards or 75 yards rushing, 1.9 yards per carry. They averaged. The defense is why Cincinnati won this game, and just pounding the rock and playing defense, man. That's all you. That's all you really got to do. All these, uh, all these people that say defense is dead, it is. It is not dead yet, my friend. Cincinnati, Luke Fickle showed you that. Uh, SMU came in this game leading rusher in the in the American Athletic Conference. Three of the top five leading receivers in the AAC, averaging almost forty three points per game. And Cincinnati, they the defense just set the tone in this game. Mm. So you just wait. Just wait. Defense wins championships, sir. It doesn't. Uh, Miami. Still going to have an offense, but. Miami survives a scare against the 1-4 Virginia Cavaliers, 19-14. They improved to 5-1. Derek King goes 21-30 for 322 yards and TD. Brandon Armstrong was back for Virginia, and he was good, especially through the ground where he had 15 carries and 91 yards to keep Virginia in it. Speaking of bad clock management and just bad coaching, Bronco Mendenhall, friend of the pod, um, he called (laughs) all three of his second-half timeouts by the 12-minute mark of the fourth quarter in a 12-point game. And it ended up costing him, especially down the stretch. Thank you for not coaching. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not what you wanted. I thought uh, I was thinking Virginia might might find a way to pull this one out, but Miami survived. BYU versus Texas State, our team of the pod, big Zach Wilson guys. Is uh, it too late for you to to change your allegiance and just become a BYU fan? Mm. I feel like you're that close. I feel like you could just do it. Just become a BYU fan. 
do I have to become Mormon in the process? <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. Um, look, there, it, I can like do a temporary, um, just, I don't even know what to call this, a, a, a gap year in Tennessee. Like the season's over. So I it just, I, I need some sort of college football joy. So seeing BYU run the table would bring me college football joy this year because Tennessee has made sure that uh, they will not be doing that for me this year. Um, Zach Wilson goes 19 and 25, 287, four TDs. Texas State is awful with Jake Spavadol. Um, this was uh, this was a very dominant defensive performance. The offense obviously was rolling, but the Bobcats, after getting a Daffy Duck style opening to the game, as uh, BYU's head coach referred to their offense as, um, they did nothing after that opening drive where they just had 63 yards of total offense for the remainder of the first half following that 75 yard opening possession. And then 21 additional yards in the third quarter. BYU is a complete football team and uh, they're very good. Yeah, without a doubt. They, um, I'm really just of all the years to not have a play uh, to not expand the playoff. Like it's just such a bummer that I feel like the Cincinnati and BYU teams, they, they look like they have, they're just complete teams all around, and it's it's real disappointing if they go undefeated and just don't even get a shot at uh, seeing what they. They honestly might because they're they're both you know kind of building some some cachet there week in and week out. So it depends, though. It's just I really doubt we we see uh, over a one loss Big Twelve champion or. Yeah, I I forgot the Pac-12 was even playing this year. Honestly, if I don't even. I read it, and they're them. probably the the yeah. the group of five teams don't have a shot, probably. But and that's if probably they true. fumble, then I think they have an opening because you're going to get one Big Ten team, one SEC team, probably two SEC teams would be my guess, uh, or two Big Ten teams. One of the two will get two, and then the Big Twelve I think is out. And then I think the Pac-12 has to have somebody run the table, too, for them to get in. Um, so, I don't know. We we shall see. Uh, UNC versus NC State. The North Carolina Tar Heels just destroy the, the second stringer over there in NC State, where they run for 326 yards, 578 total. Um, the Wolfpack, who had been running the ball really well under Dave Doran for the first couple weeks of the season, only got... 34 on the ground this was like one of those just like clemson type wins from unc where like we're just a better program we have better players and we're just gonna ruin your day it was a very we're a top five top 10 program now so uh you are not and here is a reminder yeah for sure i um and nc state still doesn't even know what they're doing with the backup quarterback they kind of went back and forth in this one um i think the third stringer turned the ball over three times in this game and yeah, North Carolina. After uh, after us doubting how legit they were, they uh, this is a big statement win for them to just show that they're at least drawing the lines of of what what tier of the ACC that they're in. Next up, Michigan versus Minnesota. Michigan probably the biggest statement win of the weekend. Whew, Michigan 49, Minnesota 24. Minnesota was missing like their kicker and punter and several other pieces going into this game. Uh, but Michigan starts off hot. Joe Milton, captain communist, throwing a completion to everyone on the Michigan roster to go 15 of 22, 225, one TD. Michigan, first fun offense uh, we've seen in a long time from them. Um, their offensive line, four new starters, and they still ran the ball for 253 yards. Um, only one sack, just, uh, Mr. Gaddis, the new offense. It's not Pep Hamilton's offense anymore and it's finally working. Yeah. I, I thought Joe Milton, uh, did a really good job. He seemed to just kind of manage the game. And then when it was time that he needed to make a play, he made, made some plays with his legs. So I, uh, I was definitely impressed by him. I was very impressed by the Michigan defense. I feel like they, uh, they definitely got after it in this one, five sacks in this game. And um, I was dead wrong about Minnesota. I um, I did not see this coming at all. So this is a this is a huge win for Michigan because we had nothing to we had uh, no idea what to expect from their quarterback position. So if they can get good quarterback play, I mean they all of a sudden become easily the second best team in the Big Ten. 
So uh, making that Ohio State-Michigan rivalry very interesting this year, although I don't see – we don't see anybody. I don't see anybody touching Ohio State in the Big Ten this year. Wake Forest knocks off Virginia Tech. I know this hurt you to see this happen. Um, this game was dumb. Uh, going back through, like Wake Forest should not have won this game. Wake Forest's offense has obviously been very good this year, but so is Virginia Tech's. Uh, Wake Forest passes for 110 yards and won this football game. It came down to Virginia Tech and the Hokies committing three turnovers in this game and ten penalties. Justin Fuente, not happy about it, but uh, Wake Forest, big win for them. You know what I think it came down to? I think it came down to the defensive side of the ball, Chase. I That's what it so. came down to. Matt Green's stud of the week this week. The walk-on freshman linebacker, Nick Anderson. <laughs> 11 tackles and three picks for Wake Forest, including the game sealer with like 45 seconds left. Big time win for the Demon Deacons. I uh, I did not see this one coming. Uh, Wake Forest, two big wins in a row. Two big wins. The Demon Deacons go Clawfence. Um, Kansas State blows out Kansas. Puka Williams just quit the program. He was like, I'm good um, earlier this week. Um, there was a little nugget I have from bringonthecats.com, the Kansas State blog. And I just, I thought this was hilarious because I watched exactly zero seconds of this game. Um, <laughs> when he called, when he, meaning Chris Bielman, the, uh, or Chris Kleiman, excuse me, uh, head coach of Kansas State, when he called a timeout with eight seconds left in the first half as, Kentu- or as Kansas faced a fourth and one from its own 25, forcing a Jayhawk punt, he proved he wants this rivalry to be nasty. They were already up like three scores at this point, but they wanted the ball one more time before the end of the half just to add insult to injury so shout out to Kleiman. he uh looking to just bury the jayhawks bury him i just don't understand it's not like it's i don't know when like when texas is down texas texas uh tech wants to rub it in or something it's like this is kansas like <laughs> they've never been good ever outside well, no, of the, true. the one year what's his name was there uh, uh reesing todd reesing and uh, Gino, yeah yeah, I keep to leave. Yeah, they had they had one good team, but uh, Kansas is just not a football power or a football program for that matter. But um, I mean, I guess I respect trying to, you know, take a jab at your rival. But uh, Kansas Kansas is just awful, and Kansas State really just emphasized their superiority. Marshall. Takes down FAU in the Fighting Willie Taggarts. Um, who would you guess, per ESPN's Football Power Index, has the best chance of remaining unbeaten through the rest of the season? I'm going to go with the herd, man. 58% above Alabama, above Clemson. They have the best odds. Over 50, 50% shot of finishing 10-0. and 0. Shout out to the herd. Yeah, they've looked uh, they've looked really good this year on both sides of the ball. Obviously, scoring twenty points in this game, the offense wasn't doing a whole lot, but still found a way to win. And um, yeah, I think the, the obviously the remaining schedule is why they're uh, <laughs> a significant favorite to win all of their games. I feel like as much Hold on, the CUSA is nothing to be. As much credit as we've given the AAC this year, I can't say the same for Conference USA. It's it's a pretty weak conference, so I don't the the win over App State that was that was nice, although they don't look quite as good as we as we once thought. And but it's like moving forward, FIU, UMass, well, MTSU, Charlotte this weekend, not an FCS school, which was the first FCS over FBS upset of the season. Is that right? There can't be that many of those games no. happening. That- well, I mean, they almost beat fucking uh, Florida State. That's true. So with those four games, I feel like Marshall's, it's going to be a, a huge letdown if they don't end up undefeated. All right. Run through a couple more of these games. Uh, Army destroys Mercer to improve to 6-1. and one. Uh, Auburn steals one at Ole Miss 35-28 on a missed deflection off their returner. Um, ultimately keeping auburn from one and four and they're three and two somehow uh yeah that replay you could see you could see it go off the uh his pinky of his uh, yeah, his left off. hand yeah. it, you could see his hand move like that's 
What what do the SEC refs uh, have for Auburn? This is this is like the third game that they potentially won because of referees. Like we, we don't even really include the Kentucky one. Um, yeah, that's true. Supposed with some of those questionable calls they got. So Auburn at three and two, things could be a lot worse for them right now. Oklahoma writes the ship. They blow out TCU. TCU falls to one and three on the season. Uh, Memphis. Moves to three and one, beats Temple forty one twenty nine. Florida State gets blown out on the road at a bad Louisville team. Um, Louisville goes for forty eight to sixteen here. This game was over. Yeah, I was dead wrong about that one too. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Florida State. Still got a ways to go. Uh, Rutgers upends Michigan State, who had seven turnovers in this game. Rocky Lombardi looked atrocious. Um, good for Greg Schiano and that program starting off one and zero. Oh. Um, UCF continues getting back on track, blowing out Tulane, 51-34. Houston moves to 2-1, and one, winning big on the road at Navy, 37-21. Texas takes care of Baylor, uh, 27-16, that Baylor offense. Oof. I, I don't know. It's uh, not great there. Texas wins ugly. Uh, Iowa, I think Baylor punted in, like, Texas's territory in this game, like, I think it was the Texas, like, 35, I want to say. Maybe 30. Um, Dave Aranda, questions there. Iowa, watch a lot of this game, goes at Purdue and loses to Aiden O'Connell, who looked good, passed 50 times in this game. Um, and David Bell is an absolute monster. At 13 receptions, 121 yards, and three TDs. Guess what? He's my stud of the week! Um, as the Purdue Boilermakers move to 1-0. and uh, Georgia Tech gets blown out by Boston College, 48-27, but they are wearing the black and gold this week. I don't know if you saw that reveal on Twitter today, but they're wearing black and gold Saturday. Uh, Missouri takes care of Kentucky to move to 2-2, two two, uh, 20-10. Connor Basilek, solid as ever. 37 carries for Larry Roundtree. 37. Who gets 37 carries anymore? Um, apparently Missouri. Um, Texas Tech uh, knocks off West Virginia, 34-27. Did you see the punter in this game? Uh, Boise State kicks off their season by beating Utah State 42-13. Hank Bachmeyer, maybe my favorite cultural name, proves to 20-28, and 28, 268 yards, three touchdowns. LSU beats the living crap out of South Carolina, where they may have a new quarterback. TJ Finley goes 17-21, 265, two TDs. Tyrion Davis-Price looks like the next maybe great LSU running back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked how Finley looked this week. I, I felt like... I mean, the offense wasn't really the problem with Brennan, though, so I feel like it's at least worth uh, giving them both some reps in the next game. But, yeah, I feel like Finley looked really good. Northwestern blows out Maryland 43-3. Would you like to guess who uh, Northwestern's quarterback is? Uh, I do not know. It's Indiana legend Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey. Why do I know that name? Because he started at Indiana for like 17 years. I don't <laughs> know how this dude is still eligible, um, but shout out to him for keeping keeping it going. Um, and then America's Game of the Week, San Diego State defeats UNLV 34-6 to to open up the Mountain West season there. And my Hawaii Rambo Warriors start off 1-0 in the Mountain West as well. They move to 30. They win 34 to 19 over the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, I hope that didn't throw off your whole Saturday schedule, man. I know you're upset about that. I was. Like, Hawaii should have to play at 11 o'clock midnight my time every week. That's the rule. No exceptions. Um, but yeah. All right. That's, that's all I've got, Matt Green. Uh, did we miss anything here? Um, that's, that's about all I got as well. Um, I got to credit you I, while I was uh, watching SMU Cincinnati, you were like, yo bro, you got to watch this world series game going on. So correctly, I got to see the end of like one of the greatest world series games of all time. So that was, that was wild. Maybe the Rays can close this out as a uh, small market baseball t- fans can, uh, can appreciate that. Well, they're down now. So we'll, we'll see. That's uh, true. But yeah. Great stuff. Matt Green. We can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. You can find me at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple days for our week nine preview. Are we already in week nine? Yeah, I think this is week nine. It's a strange week nine. 
Yeah. But it is. We're in week nine, and the Pac-12 has played exactly zero games. It's very, <laughs> very strange. Um, for that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, I am up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, saying that is it for today's episode of The Full Ride, but we'll be back in a couple of days. Matt, talk to you soon. All right, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.